the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That's my prayer for you today, that you do experience the presence of Jesus, that you do encounter the peace that he gives, that you do know the joy that he offers. But brothers and sisters in Christ, we must live sent. We must go forward. We must live sent. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I heard an example like this recently from Tony Evans, and I adapted it as a result of an experience I had on Friday evening. I had a last-minute opportunity to go to Game 7 and watch the Lightning beat the New York Islanders in the seventh game of the Stanley Cup semifinals. Go Bolts! This game between the Lightning and the Islanders, it involved six players from each team on the ice at any given time. And it was a rink filled with chaos and conflict. If you want intensity, you just watch an NHL hockey game. It is intense. But those players weren't the only people on the ice. There were four other individuals. They were dressed not in the jerseys of each team. They were dressed in black and white uniforms. And they didn't come from Tampa or or from the New York Islanders. They came from the home office, the home office of the NHL. That's at 1185 Avenue of Americas in New York, New York, the headquarters. They didn't represent either team. They came from another kingdom. They were sent to that rink to represent the NHL. Those four people, they weren't the fastest men on the ice. I'm not sure they were the strongest men on the rink. They certainly did not appear to be the meanest people in the building. But they had power. They had the power to change the game. In fact, you could say they could influence the outcome. They could even stop play if necessary. Because authority had been granted to them to represent the kingdom called the NHL. The players didn't always like what the referees had to say. In fact, the fans around me sometimes booed them for their decisions. But they were representing their kingdom well. We live in a world filled with chaos and conflict. And yet we are not of this world if we are followers of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that our citizenship is in another kingdom. And after we begin that relationship with Christ, we are sent here to represent that kingdom well. And if we do that, we have, by Jesus, authority 
to influence and impact this world in ways it may be hard to imagine. We are to be the sent ones, representing him. And as long as we do that well, we become significant difference makers. Because the words of Jesus compel every Christ follower to live as sent ones, to live sent. I would ask you today, are are you living sent? There are five times in the New Testament where Jesus commissions or sends his followers. I want to remind you of those, and then we're going to focus on one today. The most familiar is called the Great Commission. You find it in Matthew 28. You might remember this. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. The Great Commission of Jesus. But Matthew is not the only one that records such a sending. Mark in Mark 16, 15 says this, and he said to them, go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Dr. Luke records it as well in Luke 24, 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And then just before he ascended into heaven, Jesus held one more meeting gathered with his disciples, Acts 1-8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. One thing we see in common here is that God sends his people to all the people's to all the ethnos, like I learned at a, as a child, probably at vacation Bible school, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. He loves the senior adults of the world. He loves all the peoples, and because of that, he calls those who are his to go, to live sent. The last commission that I want to talk about is found in John 20. But before we get to that, let's just spend a moment and review because we've been talking about what in many of your Bibles are the red letter words, the words of Jesus. And I've, I've chosen just a few of these words to zero in on and, and, and let you see the heart of what Jesus had to say. For example, we looked in John 3 and we talked about new birth. You could think of that as conversion or change. That's where Jesus uttered these words. You must be born again. You must be regenerated. There must be new life in you if you're going to be my followers. And that's where we learn that you can be religious and not be regenerate. And so I would ask you that question really that we ask every week. Do you need to be born again? 
Are you going through the motions in your faith, but you're not really living as a person of faith? Then we looked also in the book of John at what Jesus called a new commandment. He said, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another. So if the first words of Jesus talked about change, these words talk about compassion. And we learned that when we have the compassion of God, we act. We, we learn that love does in spite of what love knows. And it's because love overcomes all things. But today, we're not looking at new birth or a new commandment. We're looking at a new purpose. Jesus is talking to those who are his disciples. In fact, this is an encounter that takes place with some of the ones he is closest to. And yet he's reminding them that because of what has just taken place, their purpose has changed. It's a message about their commission. If I were to sum that up, I would use these words. Jesus said to them, you are sent. You're sent. And that's what I want you to walk away with today. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are one of the sent ones. You're no different than those that Jesus gave this message to when he first gave it. Now, the context for this message was Resurrection Sunday. Jesus had just risen from the dead. Mary had gone to the garden tomb, and she had found that the tomb was empty. Peter and John followed her there, and they had found the same thing. Jesus was no longer buried. Jesus was alive. Now, this is significant because John records this commission in his gospel right after the resurrection. And that has meaning. It reminds us that our mission is achievable because his mission was accomplished. We can do what God has commanded us to do. We can follow his commission because he did what he came to do. He died for our sins. If you are living, you are a sinner. The Bible says all of us have sinned. We've fallen short of God's design. That sin, if left undealt with, will cause death. Jesus took our death. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried, but he didn't stay dead. He showed that he had power not only over sin, he had power over death. He rose from the grave, and because he accomplished his mission, we can accomplish our mission. There were no resurrection. There'd be little reason for the mission, but Jesus is alive. Now, I'm going to say that again because you did not give an appropriate response. Jesus is alive. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19, it says, That Sunday evening the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They were living in fear. Their God, the one they had followed, Jesus, their teacher, had been raised from the dead, but they were living in fear. It's possible... It's possible to have hung out in the presence of God and yet not encountered everything he wanted you to experience and walk away not living as one touched by his presence. Suddenly Jesus was standing among them and he said, peace be with you. Isn't it interesting that though we make war with God, he comes to bring peace with us. That's what Jesus did. He came so that you might have peace with God, so that you might know the peace of God. 
Now notice what happens next. Not only did he bring peace, he spoke and he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy. You see, where the presence of the Lord is, there is peace, and where the presence of the Lord is, there is joy. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. So if you profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and yet you don't find your way back to a lifestyle of peace, or you don't find your way back to a lifestyle of joy, something is wrong because you're not living in the presence of Jesus. Isn't it interesting? He didn't condemn them for their unfaithfulness or their lack of belief. He brought them peace and joy. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to see again this key verse that we're going to talk about the rest of our time together. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. The words of Jesus compel every Christ follower to live sent. Let's pray together. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, here we are open-handed, open-hearted, with open ears and open minds. Please speak. Please give what we do not have. Please teach what we do not know. Please make us something we've not yet become. Oh, Father, we do not need more religion. Most of us do not even need more information, but We've not fully been transformed because we're not living as the sent ones. So, Lord, yes, if someone here today needs to be born again, may this be the day of their salvation. Holy Spirit, even now, convict them. Put that desire in their heart to respond to your invitation to new life. But, Lord, for those that know they're your followers, convict us for where we're not living sent. And may the words of my mouth and even my thoughts be pleasing to you. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Remember the big idea? The words of Jesus compel every Christ follower to live sent. That means you are sent. I want you to say this. Say, I am sent. If you are a Christ follower... 
You are one of the sent one. It's not just the missionaries who were sent. It's not just the pastors who were sent. It's not just the worship leaders who were sent. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are one of the sent ones. And somewhere along the way in the organized church, we've done a disservice because we've implied that you have to be called to vocational uh, missions or vocational ministry to be one of the sent ones. And yet we are all sent by Jesus. So how do we live as a sent one? How are we sent? What did Jesus say? How are we sent? As how? As the Father hath sent me. So what he's saying is you've got to act like me. You've got to have the same attitude that I have. Is there anywhere in the Bible where we can find the attitude of Jesus? Yes is the answer. Look in Philippians chapter 2. Look at the way it begins in verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. What is the attitude of the sent one? Forty-four times in the New Testament we see Jesus described as one who was sent. How was he sent? How do we become like him? How do we take his place? Notice how it continues. Though he was God... He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. He died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. At that, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue conf- declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of the Father. That's the attitude of Jesus. Do you have that attitude of Jesus? Have you been sent out like he came? He came with confidence, but with humility. He came with obedience, but with great authority. He came as the one who would be praised, but for the purpose of giving glory to the Father. I want you to think about those things. He came with humility or sacrifice. He gave up. I heard J.D. Greer say that it's not through our success that God saves the world. We think about that, don't we? we? We think that it's just those that have really done well. Those that are the, the people that everybody looks to. That's how God saves the world. No, it's not through our success that God saves the world, but it's through our sacrifice. In fact, I imagine that When we stand before God in heaven and see who has the great rewards, it may not be the most well-known preachers. It may not be those well-known musicians. Some of both of those camps may not even make it. I imagine we'll see those missionaries whose name no one knew, who labored away without building big churches, who gave all they had. They sacrificed. Like the lady I first heard about several years ago when our church went to Dubai to encourage some missionaries from Afghanistan. And I began to hear the heartache and the challenge they went through. And I I heard about this single lady that one day just disappeared. She was kidnapped. She was kidnapped because she was accused of, of presenting a false god. Yes, that still happens today. She was taken from tribe to tribe and eventually she was sold off to nomads and 
her friends, her teams, our organization. We never know what fully happened to her, but we assume that she gave her life. What resulted when her capture took place is that for one of the first times in modern history, women in Afghanistan revolted. (laughs) More than 300 of them marched to the capital. They were demanding that something be done. Why? Because they had experienced the love of God through this single woman on the other side of the planet. You don't know her name, but she gave her all. Like Jesus, not holding on to what he could cling to, but sacrificing with humility. What are you giving up for the cause of Christ? Most of us who who call the name of Christ, we struggle to, to even give up a portion of our finances. We struggle to give up too much of our time. We certainly find difficulty giving up of, of our effort to serve. And yet he is calling us to give up. You see, if I truly understand the gospel that I'm a sinner who deserves death and the punishment of that death is forever and it takes place in hell and yet God loved me and he he came and sent his son so that I might have life and forgiveness and by his grace I might spend forever with him and not have to die. If I truly understand that, it changes everything. That means I can make it through a day when when I want to quit my job. I can make it through a marriage when I feel like giving up. I, I can make a difference in my neighborhood even when I don't know everybody around me because I recognize that the gospel changes everything. Whatever the cost, whatever the sacrifice, my yes is on the table. Is your yes on the table? Or is this a big game to you? Are, are, you, are you playing religious chess? If I make this move, then maybe God will be honored and he'll be pleased. It's not what he wants. He, he wants your yes. He wants you humbly to come and sacrificially stand before him. And then Jesus came in obedience. We see this when he taught us how to pray. It says it in Philippians 2. He obediently came. Who was he being obedient to? The Father. How did he teach us to pray? He said, when you pray, pray this way. Our, our Father, who art in heaven... Holy is your name, then what? Thy kingdom come, thy. You know where I get into trouble? I spend a lot of time trying to build my kingdom and accomplish my will. Even as a pastor, I started out early in ministry, and there's no question. I I think my motives were pure. But in my heart, I, I think I was wanting God to do things my way. God, would you use me to build a great church rather than, God, would you allow me to see how great you are? You see, that's what we do. We seek the hand of God rather than the face of God. And when we do that, we're going after our will way more than we're going after his will. We're not responding in obedience. But when we respond in obedience, great things happen. I heard the story just this week of one of our dear ladies in our church. And 
she's, she's seeking to be faithful in her workplace and wherever she is as a witness, she's seeking to live sent. And she shared that she'd gone into a, a place of business and, and it was clear that the person working there was from a Muslim background because of their dress. And she said she felt in that occasion the prompting of the Holy Spirit to just say something about Jesus, just to be a witness for Jesus. But this was her thought. It's the same thought you and I have on a regular occasion. I can't do that. Who am I? How would I step? I don't know what they'll say. I don't know how to handle the response. I'm not even sure what I will say. And so she did it on that day. But she went back into that store on another day and she found the same woman was working. (laughs) And she felt the same prompting of the Holy Spirit. And so she took advantage of that. And she began to talk about Jesus. Listen to what the person behind the counter said. I know about Jesus. I've just had a dream about Jesus. Now, that lady didn't begin a relationship with Christ on that day. Uh, To our knowledge, she's not a follower of Christ today. Pray for her. God knows her name. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.